domestic violence does not only affect women, although the highest uh, incidents that occur do affect women, there are a lot of men in um, heterosexual relationships and same-sex relationships who are affected by domestic violence as the victim. They also survive. Uh, I did try my best to get male guests, um, and that was difficult. It's really, really difficult in our community for men to talk up about their experiences as survivors. Oftentimes, we only look at men as the perpetrators, right? And we forget that they, too, suffer as victims of domestic violence, um, whether in a marriage or uh, in a dating relationship or even as a kid in the household, right? There are a lot of young boys growing up right now seeing their father beat on their mothers and in turn having their fathers take out his anger or their anger on them. That's the reality for a lot of men. And you know that I take it up on myself to create a safe space for men. As much as I will always be pro-woman, I'm also pro-man, and I'm also pro-human, and I'm also pro-treat-people-right. And um, I did do my due diligence to have a male guest here, and it was difficult. So please know that I tried. So for the men listening, no, this is not a bash on men episode. Definitely not. If you know me well enough, you know that I'm very fair. I'm very balanced. Um, but please take into consideration that these stories are personal stories from these women. It's not my story. I'm not adding nor taking away. They are brave enough to come on to the podcast today to share their own personal experience. And for that, I say thank you. In My Head with Jay Blessed is a transparent look into the life and mind of a Caribbean woman having human experiences. Get into my mind as I share my most vulnerable thoughts and honest experiences. I'll take you on a roller coaster of emotions as you get to know someone who might share similar experiences with you. Some might make you speechless, you'll definitely laugh. Others might make you angry and some might even make you cry. But my very real, very raw, very relatable weekly podcast will always keep you coming back for more. Join me as I talk to myself, talk to you, and even talk to some special friends in my head. (laughs) In my head is an introspective look from a voyeuristic point of view. For a list of all my social channels and how you can connect with me, please view this episode's summary. To join in on the conversation, use the hashtag HeadWithJB. That's H-E-A-D-W-I-T-H-J-B. And follow me on Instagram at RealJBlessed and Twitter at JBlessed. Let's get in on the conversation together. Don't forget to log on to my official website, JBlessed.com. A human experience from a Caribbean perspective. Episode 24, 
Surviving Domestic Violence with the Heather Hurley Foundation. Want to advertise on In My Head with Jay Vlest? Sign up now for the 2019 introductory rates to expose your brand, business, or initiative to a local and global audience. In My Head has a large New York-based audience and is heard in over 54 countries, with its top markets being the United States, Canada, Trinidad and Tobago, Jamaica, and Bermuda. Be one of the very first exclusive advertising partners by signing up today. Email info at J-A-Y-B-L-E-S-S-E-D dot com. That's info at jbless dot com to advertise on In My Head. Hey fam, how you doing? Ah, uh, yeah, we couldn't close off October without focusing on domestic violence awareness. And uh, I've been hinting about it throughout the month. And finally, we have today two dynamic guests. In addition to uh, a bonus episode coming up next week. So make sure you stay tuned for that as we focus on domestic violence awareness. Today is sensitive. The subject matter is sensitive. I'm letting you know this in advance, but it's something that you really, really should listen to, especially if you find yourself in an unhealthy or dangerous relationship and you need advice on how to escape. I have two dynamic women in studio from the Heather Hurley Foundation, and I want you to pay attention to their their testimonies, their stories. Everyone's story is different. But this one really, really wow. Very powerful. And they are doing a good work in the community. So I need you to make sure after you've listened, go to the summary of this episode and click on the link to support the Heather Hurley Foundation. Um, October finish. Okay, Scorpio season and fully feck and summer all you like and summer all I don't really like, but <laughs> But you're October babies nonetheless, so I still salute you. Um, yo, 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 talking about Scorpio season. <laughs> Benor's birthday is coming up real soon. Drop a vibe. <laughs> salute to the one and only Benor Yard, my co-partner in this entire production. His birthday is coming up soon, so make sure you show him love. When his birthday does come around, don't worry, I'm going to have an episode before that. Um, Benor, I love you very much. Thank you for the good work that you are doing in our community and with In My Head. So before I start and go directly into this episode, please, again, I'm reminding you that this is a very sensitive subject, um, and please share it. You may have a friend who you've been talking to until you blew in the face to leave that dirty man, and they don't want to listen. This is the episode you need to share with them. Too many times we are ignoring red flags in relationships and some people are not fortunate to talk about their survivorship. Um, recently, sometime this year, in my mom, my, my adopted mom, Auntie Sheila's building right there on Leffitt's off Flatbush Avenue, a couple, older couple actually, um, he, he killed her. He killed her in, in their apartment. And this is one of hundreds of stories that happened this year alone in the United States. There are people in your community that you know that are in abusive relationships. This is the episode you need to slip in their DM 
sending a WhatsApp, sharing an email, or just say, bitch, you need to listen to this shit. We need to get you some help right now. How can I help you? All right, let's get into it. This is episode 24 of In My Nicole Sharp is the founder of the Heather Hurley Foundation. She is a child survivor of domestic violence. Ms. Sharp's life's work has been her advocacy for domestic abuse awareness. She's partnered with the nonprofit organization, the Purple Ribbon Council, which evolved into a teen dating violence prevention educational initiative called Bloom 365. Ms. Sharp founded the Heather Hurley Foundation for the Prevention of Domestic Violence, a nonprofit organization named after her late mother. Its mission is to instill the Bloom 365 program into New York City schools, provide support groups to teen and adult victims and survivors, and to ultimately provide safe temporary housing to women with children who are escaping domestic violence. Ms. Sharp has spoken at numerous conferences, including the Intimate Partner Violence Colloquium at New York University and the Domestic Violence Awareness Month event at the New York City Administration for Children's Services. She's organized several community events, including her annual Purple Power fundraiser and published a memoir of her domestic violence experience titled The End of November, Growing Up with Domestic Violence. She currently serves on the New York State Office for the Prevention of Domestic Violence Advisory Council, the Fatality Review Committee of New York State, the New York City Department of Health Women's Advisory Board, and the Black and Latina Women's Work Group. Jay Birds in my head, fam. Please help me welcome to the podcast Nicole Sharp and Dion Davis. Woo! Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> Woo! Y'all are so silly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nicole, welcome. Thank you very much. Dion, welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for your patience. Thank you so much for coming through to In My Head. We could not end off October without focusing on domestic violence. And we know this is all that you guys are about. Uh, and, and much love to you, Dion, and the work that you're doing with the Heather Hurley Foundation. So thank you for the work that you're doing in our community and with our youth. So... I know that a lot of the work that you do with the foundation also focuses on New York City schools. And to hear about domestic violence with teens in schools, their little boyfriends beating up on them is really mm-hmm. difficult, right? Yes. Like, yeah, very. Especially when, you know, the stats are saying that women are dying from the ages of 15 through 35 at the hands of their partners. Yes. Yes. That's very alarming. Sad statistics. Yeah. Very sad, very morbid statistics, especially when um, when it comes to all these statistics. African-American women are always highest on the list. According to a July 2017 report from the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, homicides stemming from intimate partner violence disproportionately affect young racial and ethnic minority women. The CDC said non-Hispanic African-American women experienced the highest rates of homicide, citing 4.4 homicides per 100,000 population, while American Indian and Alaska Native women experienced 4.3 homicides per 100,000 population. The report said about 29.4% of female homicide victims were between the ages of 18 to 29. 
reports 59.2% of victims who were single at the time of death as non-Hispanic African-American women. The Women of Color Network listed poverty, poor education, limited job resources, language barriers, and fear of deportation as roadblocks to safety and support for survivors of color. This report was done by the FamilyJusticeCenter.org. So let's go into your story a bit, Nicole. Um, I mentioned it in your bio of how you started your advocacy based on your own personal experience. So walk us through that experience. So I I started doing um, domestic violence awareness advocacy um, because I lived seeing domestic violence um, as a very young child. Um, I would say that my earliest memories are of seeing violence, unfortunately. As a child, um, when I was three, four years old, I actually saw my father rape my mother. Um, And yes, husbands can rape their wives. Um, I used to see my father just beat my mother all the time, like like a man, just punch her up, and he would never touch her face, just her body, because I now I know in retrospect it's because he knew that no one would know that she had all these bruises on her body, um, you know, under her clothes. But I, I used to always walk on eggshells because I was so exposed to violence at all times. And um, we would have downtimes where there seemed to be peace in the house, but even when there was a peace time, I knew that there was going to be a blow-up soon. So walking on eggshells all the time was my life as a child. Um, it culminated to when I turned 15, and uh, my father um, shot and killed my mother in our home one Friday night. And um, when I was on the phone, actually, he, he started a fight with her for no reason, as usual. And um, they were in the basement. She was doing laundry. He followed her down there with the gun. So I went upstairs to call my grandmother to let her know what was happening. And then while I was on the phone, I heard a shot. And um, my little brother and little sister, who were in the basement, they actually saw. And they were um, three and, and eight at the time. How old were you? I was 15. And um, I knew that my mother was gone once I heard the shot. My father has threatened to kill my mother for many, many years. And um, he finally did it. When he would threaten to kill her, he wouldn't just say, I'm going to kill you. He would say things like, I am going to be the one to pull the death veil over your face in your coffin. Wow. You know, he would say detailed things like that, which showed me that he really meant it. But wow. um, he finally did it. And then as a result, myself and my siblings, we were orphaned. Were you guys kept together as a family unit? Were you split up? Yeah, thank God we were kept together. Um, when we were at the precinct that night, uh, ACS already came to separate us because of the age range. Um, we were going to go into three different homes that very night. Wow. But my mother's um, brother, he begged Your the uncle. officers, my uncle, begged the officers to allow us to at least stay that weekend because that was a Friday night. And so they said, okay, but then they'll have the social workers come over and then they'll start the process to take us. But they ended up letting us stay, which was good for us um, as far as not knowing where we were going to go. But it still wasn't an ideal Situation. living environment, no. I mean, hearing your story, I'm trying to process it like just, wow, but you lived it. And in my head, we focus on mental health. Mm-hmm. 
And so at the age of 15, seeing all of your years, your youth, where you viewed your a very violent relationship between your mom and your dad culminating in him taking her life. And now you no longer have a relationship with your dad now because now he, he was arrested. Yeah, he was arrested um, that night. Uh, he had about three different stories, stories as far as what happened. None of them had anything to do with him. But, of course, they knew what happened. Um, Is he alive? He's not alive today, no. Did you have a relationship with him after that? Um, when, so he ended up being in jail for 18 years, but he was only given seven and a quarter years. He was allowed to go out on parole in four years. What? But myself and my mother's family, we went up to the parole board and, you know, gave our statements, and then they did not allow him to come out in the fourth year. So every two years he was up for parole, we had to go up. But they were about to allow him to, to be released after four years. But he came out in seven and three quarter. No, we kept going up to the parole board. Okay. So, um, so his earliest release date was 18 years later. So he did serve the 18 yes. years. Did he die in prison or outside of prison? Um, he died outside of prison three years after he was released. Three did years. you see him at all? Yes. So I did. Um, my, my brother and my sister and I, we wanted to meet our father again. And, and what um, age was this? So gosh, this was actually about uh, seven years ago, six, seven years ago. So you were about like 30, 31 at that time? Like, was that it? That sounds nice. Take 31. I take 31, Alex. <laughs> yes, 200, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> These ladies joking, yes. <laughs> so uh, your younger siblings and you decided you wanted to see your dad and then you visited him in prison no um we actually came out we made arrangements to visit him actually at our church our pastor at brooklyn tabernacle um happened to be available at that time along with the prison ministry pastor which i know was god sent and uh, we sat down with him and his friend and then we just had that talk as far as why did you do this to our mother and so hold up for a second that was the first time you saw your dad? Yes. In years? In years. Okay. 18 years. Before we get to that place, and Dion, I'm going to bring you into the conversation shortly. How, how did you make it through life? Like, how did you process this trauma? How did you make it through school? How were you there to be basically like the new mom for your younger siblings, even though you had family around you, like, like, how, how, how are you here in your seemingly right mind right now? Like, tell me. It's, it's a book. I actually put it all in a book, honestly. Oh, we talked about the book in the intro, but we can talk about it now. <laughs> <laughs> the it's, end it's, of November. It's so much. Yeah, the book is called The End of November, Growing Up with Domestic Violence. Um, you can get it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. And the link but will be in the summary of this episode. When, when I look back, I can't believe that I actually lived through that. I know that God is the one who carried me through it, but it was so many obstacles, um, not having my parents. And then, so what, what I realized, what happens, at least in my situation, is that a lot of people wanted to take advantage of me knowing that I no longer have my parents. I'm talking about from my family and yes. family friends. They wanted to take advantage of me sexually. They wanted to take advantage of me financially. In any kind of way, anything they could take from us because we were looked upon as you open season. You have to protect you. That's right. Yeah, but they didn't know that I had God 
Yay. Best protector Put ever. Praise on. Can we Drop that hallelujah. Right. Okay. 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 <laughs> All right. It's one of the spirit. Sorry. Diana's literally. She about to get up and do a praise. Yes. Yes, she is. She's in it. That ain't a testimony. I don't know what is because he never leaves you or forsakes you, and he is the mother to the motherless and father to the fatherless. So look at. And that's what he became. You are the epitome of look at God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Like, you are an embodiment of look at God. Yes. A miracle, yeah. right? Like, this didn't... I'm just getting, like, chills when you said that. I got it, too. <laughs> I told For you real? Just, yeah, I got oh, it, that's too. The Lord. But, but it's, it's, it's a real. fact, right? Yes. And you, your whole life is a testimony. And, and every one of us have a different path to walk in life. Mm-hmm. Yours is a whole lot more traumatic than a lot of us. And... God knew what he was carrying you through because he knew what he was bringing you to. Yes. And the people that you had to help. According to the Institute of Women's Policy Research and the Status of Black Women in the United States report, more than four in ten black women experience physical violence from an intimate partner during their lifetime. White women, Latinas, and Asian Pacific Islander women report lower rates. Black women also experience significantly higher rates of psychological abuse, including humiliation, insults, name-calling, and coercive control than do women overall. Sexual violence affects black women at higher rates. More than 20% of black women are raped during their lifetimes, a higher share than among women overall. Black women face a particularly high risk of being killed at the hands of a man. A 2015 Violence Policy Center study finds that black women were two and a half times more likely to be murdered by men than their white counterparts. More than nine in ten black female victims knew their killers. Dion, you are a board member. Yes. uh, For the Heather Hurley Foundation. Yes. When you hear her talk about her story often, which she does, right? Yes. How do you feel knowing this young woman and the work that she's been able to accomplish in Um, such a short space of time? Every time I hear her tell her story, it just... It just reminds me that, you know, there there is another side, you know, that the situation that you're in, that's not the end. Um, I met Nicole actually at our workplace doing this. Mm-hmm. And I knew her, but when I heard her story, I was just drawn to her. And we just became like sisters after that. But not knowing that me and her meeting and doing this work was also going to be helpful to me to get through something. Tell me about that. So I didn't go through the physical. I went through the emotional. Talk about it. A lot so, of women are going through that. Yes. And men as well. And, you know... Didn't know what it was. Didn't know what was happening at the time when it started. And it's real. And it's, 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 <laughs> it, it can really tear you down, you know? Mm-hmm. And how long were you in that situation? Uh, about four years. Did you have children in that situation? No. Okay. No, no. What was the hardest part about leaving 
that situation for you because psychological abuse is really, really, it's, it's, it is. it's tough. It, it, mm-hmm. They entangle themselves into your mind and spirit. Yes, yeah. they do. And a soul tie like that is really hard oh, to See, break. I'm glad you said that. Soul tie. It is, it is one of the hardest things to, to break. And you, Listen, you, you can you, pray you, and you fast can't. until your eyes, listen, it, it oh, okay. takes time. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> So tell me, no, how, how, I want to know, Dion, tell me, how, how did you gather the strength? Was it in meeting Nicole that you were able to identify that this is not healthy? It, it, yeah, it, it, that was helping me to identify it. And then I was like, I, I can't be an advocate for this and living through this, Hmm. you know, dealing with this, Hmm. you know, so I just had to make a decision. I'm happy you said that. Um, and, and, and that actually really does tie into the reason why I started the podcast. Um, I can't offer you advice if I've never been through something and I can't tell you about healing if I ain't ever been healed. Right. Right. And it's a lot more convincing to help someone when you know the path to healing. Yeah. Yes. And I'm happy that you did that work, Dion. And I'm, I, I, girl, I know it was not, and you didn't have kids. Can you imagine? <laughs> and I know you see it on a daily basis, right, Nicole, with the women that you deal with who do have children. Yeah, it's the hardest when, when you have children. That's why I wanted to create, the first thing I wanted to create with the nonprofit was, um, emergency shelters for women with children because that's the main reason why a lot of women stay is because of the children. They don't have anywhere to go. Uh, They don't have any resources or financial help. And so a lot of times they stay stuck in a situation because I'm doing it for the kids. Yeah. Wow. So your organization has been in existence now for how many years? Officially only one year. Okay. Right. Um, Officially as a 501c3. As a 501c3, okay. one year. But your advocacy, yes. how long have you been an advocate professionally? Uh, 11 years. Okay. Yeah. And during that process, um, have you met women with similar stories to you being, you know, having a parent who died in the situation? I have met a couple. Um, yeah, a, a couple. What does that feel like? You know, because, I mean, it's not very often right. that, you know, you will connect with someone who's actually lost a parent, you know, from the child's perspective. And mm-hmm. that's why I had my guest, a daughter and mother, to share both perspectives. So what does it feel like when you meet someone whose story is actually really similar to yours in that they lost their parents at the hand of another parent? Yeah, I, f- I feel like I'm not alone. A lot of times I, I live life thinking that I'm alone and that no one could understand me. But when I met one or two ladies, um, then you realize that it's not just you alone. Yeah. So it, it helps It helps a lot. Not that I, you know... Not that you want, want to... Right, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I totally got but it's that. It's a, a kindred but, type but, of but connection. But the, fact, uh, the matter of fact is, it's so prevalent 
in our communities, it's so prevalent that you're going to meet people like this, right? We've had yeah. instances recently, I saw a video posted on social media of a nail tech in yes. the nail salon who had her, I guess, husband standing over her after he killed her. Yeah. And it's not just the children who are affected, it's also the people in our work environment that had just experienced that trauma. Yes. yes. Who probably might be in similar situations like that. So now you're 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 really looking at life from a whole different lens now. Mm -hmm. What if this happens to me? And hopefully they'll make a better decision to leave. How hard is it to convince women to leave these types of situations? Extremely horrible, next to impossible. Because they they don't want to be in that situation, but they feel stuck for the most part. What are some of the reasons they say they're stuck? Fear for their lives. Um, fear for the lives of their children. Um, no financial support because this abuser has them... Control. Taken, yeah, under control economically. Um, they have nowhere to go because the worst time for a victim is when they're actually leaving and they know that, they feel that because this abuser believes... They're no longer going to be able to have that power and control. So they would kill to keep that power and control. And the the victim knows that. So a victim will have to go outside of their circle, outside of their friends and family, if they want to be safe. And and that's why we have um, great organizations like Safe Horizon that provide um, emergency shelters for people. Um, You can call 911-311 and they can direct you to Safe Horizon who can help you to be put into an emergency shelter. But if you're looking to leave a violent situation, you cannot go by friends and family because the abuser knows your circle. Right. Dion. Yes, my How dear. hard was it for you to leave? Very. <laughs> Very. The UN Declaration on the Elimination of Violence Against Women, founded in 1993, defines violence against women and girls as... Any act of gender-based violence that results in or is likely to result in physical, sexual, or psychological harm or suffering to women, including threats of such acts, coercion, or arbitrary deprivation of liberty, whether occurring in public or in private life. Gender-based violence, GBV, can also be defined as acts of physical, mental, or social abuse, including sexual violence that is attempted or threatened with some type of force, such as violence, threats, coercion, manipulation, deception, cultural expectations, weapons, or economic circumstances, and is directed against a person because of his or her gender roles and expectations in a society or culture. A person facing gender-based violence has no choice to refuse or pursue other options without severe social, physical, or psychological consequences. Forms of GBV include sexual violence, sexual abuse, sexual harassment, sexual exploitation, early marriage or forced marriage, gender discrimination, denial such as education, food, freedom, and female genital mutilation. While men and boys can also suffer from GBV, women and girls are those overwhelmingly targeted for abuse. This was extracted from the UN Women Virtual Knowledge Center to end violence against women and girls. What was the breaking point for you? Um, well, the number one is I have two daughters and I have a son. And 
I had to make a change to try to ensure that they didn't end up on either end of the spectrum, not my son as an abuser or my daughters as victims. So your ex, not the father of your children, correct? Correct. And but your children were witnesses? Well, let's not even talk about that because I went through with the father too. Okay. Yeah. At any point in your life, did you ever think that one of them might try to kill you? I was threatened, yeah. Did you, did you take those threats seriously? Because it, you could say no. There are a lot of women who are still stuck because, you know, he ain't going to kill mm. me. I, I was scared but I, when, when he made the first threat, but I didn't want him to know he had that power. So I kind of acted like, you ain't gonna, listen, you need to cut it out. You ain't going to do nothing. Like, stop, you know, you acting crazy. You ain't. But inside, I, I didn't take it lightly. You know, I went straight to church and I told my pastor what was said to me. Why did you not go to the cops? I guess, I guess kind of still was protecting him, probably. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. A lot of victims are protecting their abusers. Yeah. Stemming from the incident involving former Baltimore Ravens running back Ray Rice, who was caught on camera knocking his wife, Janae, unconscious in a New Jersey casino on May 5th, 2014, Feminista Jones wrote an op-ed for Times Magazine back on September 10th, 2014, which began, and I quote, Domestic and intimate partner violence is a family secret in our black communities. Her op-ed continued, according to the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, an estimated 1.3 million American women experience DV or IPV, which is domestic and intimate partner violence, each year. Women make up 85% of the victims of DV or IPV. Despite this, most cases are never reported to the police and most women are victimized by people they know. Black women are almost three times as likely to experience death as a result of DV, IVP, than women. And while black women only make up 8% of the population, 22% of homicides that result from DV or IPV happen to black women, and 29% of all victimized women, making it one of the leading causes of death for black women ages 15 to 35. You made a very valid point, Dion. Um that you experienced the same thing with the father of your children. Mm-hmm. What was your socialization like growing up? Because we, we heard about Nicole's background. Did you grow up in a two-parent family? Mm-hmm. Uh, give me a bit of color to your background so we can understand why it, it was that you were attracted to abusers. Um, my mom and my dad separated when I was 16. 16, I think. Yeah, 16. Um, it it was really traumatizing because, you know, my mom took it hard, you know. And in turn of her taking it hard, it me and my siblings were kind of in the middle because even though we weren't happy about the situation, we still wanted to have both parents in our lives. And um, because my mom was so hurt, she couldn't accept that we wanted to still love my father and love her. And um, it, it we still bothers me. It's okay. Talk about it. 
Your mom we felt like you were choosing your choose. dad. Yeah, it's like having a relationship with him meant we chose <clears throat> him and we condoned what but, was happening. But he wasn't choosing your dad. He was just trying to love a broken person the best way you could as a yeah. child, right? Yeah, that's that's that was my dad. That's all you know. I was studying, and so later on in life, you found yourself in similar situation. Yeah, I mean. Um, I guess because now I'm, you know, I don't want to say messed up, but I'm kind of like some things are going on that I didn't really... You can own it. ...know how to deal with it, you know. Sometimes we are messed up based on our environment, based yeah. on the things that we see. You know, and I just, because I internalize a lot of stuff, I didn't talk really, you know. So you don't get these things out and then... You know, you start to, when, you, when you're living your life, you're making, you know, choices based on things that you're dealing with, you know? And, you know, the version of love that you know comes with an element of pain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. conflict. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And drama. You're yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> Put that shit on the board. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I need a yeah. for this shit. <laughs> you know, I always wanted to ask... Asked Dion about that, but you yeah. just came out like because I know it's a, it's a it's a hard, and I've never <laughs> asked her. I'm so no, thank you. She yeah, thank, thank you, you. <laughs> thank you. you I, listen, I, I mean, I, it's funny. Just a sidebar. One of my friends posted something on social media today, and he he was tearing up because he's in the gospel arena, and people were like, "Why are you performing with, you know, non-gospel, you know, artists, right?" Mm. And I was like, "I love Jesus, but I cuss." And y'all can stay in church, minister into the saved. I'm going to be out here in these streets, mm-hmm. reaching people who really, really want God. They really right. need God. Need they need God. the yeah. love of God. And if I have to do this in an unconventional, unorthodox way, leave me the hell alone. Because there's somebody listening to this episode right now Yeah, that is about to get their entire life. Oh, yeah. Because you guys are sharing your testimony. And because you're giving them an option, you're giving them permission to leave. Yes. That you're mm-hmm. giving them an outlet. You're giving them resources that we got your back. Like, all we needed to do is make that one step and we got you. When you made that step, the whole universe conspires to help you. Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful. I'm really grateful that you ladies are here more than you know. Thank you. Thank you for having us. And thank you for sharing your story, Nicole. Now, I hear island accents. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, as a Caribbean woman, so please list your islands. Please let the people let them know. List them. Uh, Trinidad and Tobago. Wait, that's supposed to be the last one. Oh, I'm sorry. Somebody missing. Somebody missing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, and you, My Nicole. My parents from Barbados. Nice. <laughs> Just to say, right? Like, that's amazing. Um, I'm so happy that you're here. You know, in your outreach right here in New York City, because this is where your work is based. And by the way, if you right now listening and you need help, don't forget, if you're based in New York City, call Safe Horizon on their 24-hour hotline at 1-800-621-HOPE. That's 1-800-621-4673. Call them today. Yes. Today. To today. Now, to now. Yo, listen, call them. Ask somebody to borrow a payphone. Ask a stranger if you don't want to call them on your phone because he's watching your call log. Mm-hmm. 
And you may not want to use your computer because he's probably searching that history too. Yes. Mm-hmm. So 1-800-621-HOPE. Uh, reach out to them today. Another obstacle that women and men who are trying to leave a uh, violent situation um, have as an obstacle in their mind is that they don't want to go into a shelter, but it's just temporary. Like, we have ebbs and flows in life, ups and downs. Mm. This, this is a time that's actually going to save your life. It could actually save your life. My, my question to you would be, would you rather be in a shelter and be alive and safe, or do you want to stay in a multi-million dollar house and you might in end hell? You, mm-hmm. And might die. Or might lose your life tonight. end up being your tomb. Listen, when you got to run, pack light, move swift. Yes, and Safe Horizon teaches you how to create a safety plan to remove yourself from the situation. Wow. So even if if you have to, because you have to move slow. You can't just move, get up, and they teach you how to create a safety plan. I didn't know that. Yeah, they do. Also, the Family Justice Center. There's one in every borough. In the court systems, no? Right, yeah. Wow. And Safe Horizon can connect you to a family justice center that's close to you in the New York City area. But they teach you how to create a safety plan to remove yourself from the situation. In Latin America and the Caribbean, the number of countries with national women protection policies has risen from 24 in 2013 to 31 in 2016. Yet the region is still the most violent in the world for women. Stated a U.N. Development Program women's report that was released in 2017. You are in New York City doing a lot of work here, and I'm sure that a lot of the women and men that you meet are of Caribbean heritage. Yes. Yes. Um, And again, there's a lot of stigma uh, and shame, Mm -hmm. um, especially in our culture, where mommy and granny be like, that is just how men are. He taking care of the bills. He coming home at night. The children, okay? He don't, you know, just pray for him. He go get better. Like, how? It's some serious <laughs> no, shit. No, I, I, I've, I've, I've heard I've that. Heard that. <laughs> I've heard that. Or yeah. you, you know he's cheating because that's attached to a form of abuse as well. Because anybody that loves you don't want to hurt you. Of course, you pay. That's right. That is abuse. That's what I say as well. It is. Mm-hmm. Cheating is abuse. It is. Yeah. It, it is emotional abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also even sexual abuse if your partner's going out there having raw sex with other females. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's talk truth. Mm-hmm. He's bringing yeah. you yes. back home. Some goddamn STD that you and you being faithful, you there yes. taking care of this man and his kids and his dirty drawers, he bringing you back home <laughs> herpes or yeah. or mm. HIV, right? Yeah. And that's just one of the ways you can get an STD. But I'm just saying it's also, you know, like emotional and physical abuse yeah. to be yeah. cheated on. And and, and this yeah. is so pervasive in our culture, especially the Caribbean culture. I don't understand why people laugh about it like it's okay to cheat on someone that you claim to love. You know, I just, I'll never understand that. And, and that's why I actually divorce, because I, I don't play that. If someone cheats on me, that means they don't want to be with me. They don't want to see me happy. I respect that. You know, I talk about, I've been forthcoming in my first episode, I talked about being a wife and a mistress. Mm-hmm. You know, I talked about being a girlfriend and a side chick, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's my testimony. I've been on either side of the spectrum, so mm-hmm. I know how to talk. Yes. to any woman from any background and, and, and work them through that shame. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are a lot of women uh, and men on our scene, 
in the Caribbean Sea. Yes. Um, that know of other people who are in situations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They know it. They joke about it. They talk about it. They yes. gossip about it. Yes. But they don't offer help. What do you say to those people? Because you know what? When, when God forbid, he throws her out or the child out the building, they want to come to the funeral and be like, oh, my God. You know, and they were, she was so beautiful. But I don't know he was. What did you do to help? Mm-hmm. So what advice would you give to someone who wants to help but doesn't want to overstep their boundaries because this is not their business, right? Everybody said that. Yeah, not, that's business. not my business. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If you know it, it's your f- in business. Yes. yes. And that's what we try to teach people too. Yeah. It's, it's everybody's business, business because domestic violence is a crime and a crime is happening in your community. So guess what? It is your business. Yes. And it affects every facet of the community, the workplace, if you have children involved, the schooling of the children. It, it affects the medical portion of the, of the society, um, all the services that have to come in and help. It affects everybody. So it's, it's, this is your community. No man is an island. We live in a community of people. What happens in our community is our business. Yes. And I'm tired of hearing people saying it's not their business. It is. Because guess what? If you, if you don't say anything about it and you're allowed to keep on happening, it snowballs. It snowballs. But they will say it's not my business because, you know, he beats and she up, but she going to go back with him and all. That is the reality of the dysfunctional situation that we call domestic violence. Yes. It's dysfunctional. So nothing in it is going to make sense. But what, what makes sense to us is that hurt is happening. And we have to do our part to try to help. Being an upstander, upstander. <laughs> that's what we have to learn yeah. to be an upstander. Done are the days of people. <laughs> we want to end those, those brainless, mindless days of fools taking their phones and videotaping crimes in front of their face instead of dialing 911, which is quicker than actually picking up your phone and taking a picture or yeah. videotape. And I can't and stand that. And you can that. do that anonymously. You don't yes, even have to exactly. be there. And that's why I say that's the easiest way to be an upstander mm-hmm. is to anonymously call 911. I remember, and you know, people say, that's not my business. I ain't getting involved. I remember I was, I was at a precinct <laughs> making a report on an ex. And I, before I'm, I don't, I'm in tears. And before I'm about to walk in, this mother. God forgive me. I'm going to beep this. I'm going to delete all of it out. (laughs) (laughs) This man, (laughs) he grabs this girl. And I'm in front of the priest and about to walk in and I'm in tears. And I'm like, I stop and I wait because I'm one of those people I observe so I can get the full story before I act. And so he grabs and she's like, stop holding, you know, don't grab me. And he does it again. And he's yelling and coming up in her face. I'm like, sis, do you need help? Mm-hmm. And you know what the first thing they do, the man always speaks up. She don't need no help. That, yes, that happened to me the other day. So then I said to him, yes, I'm, like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I like talking to you, you know. <laughs> I'm like, son, I am talking to you. Mm-hmm. And... She's like, you know, he, he's saying he's going to... I can't remember what she said, but she was, like, really irate. Like, you know, like he was getting up in her face. And we're by the precinct, so I walked in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I told the cop, I'm like, there's a guy outside that he's, like, being really, really aggressive with this woman. I think you need to check it out. They bring him into the precinct. You know, this guy tries to hit her in, in <gasps> front of the cops? Wow. Are you... Cr- in front of the 
the cops. <laughs> so if he could do that in front of the cops, cops. right? What, what was he doing behind closed That's doors? That's right. That's right. And another yeah. thing that bothers the hell out of me is that us women are always the one to call and seek help for another woman, and men will walk by and not even stop and be like, "Yo, yeah. drape up a brother." Like, who? What are you doing? Who are you touching? Dude, mm-hmm. I'm gonna beat the shit out of you. Matter of mm-hmm. fact, I'm calling the cops. Why are men not mm-hmm. standing up for us? Like, why are they not holding other men accountable? I don't know. We have to ask a man. Mm-hmm. I know some men say, well, she's still gonna go back, but that's not. Again, that's the, the dysfunction the, yes. of it, right? Yes. And, 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 and that's, this is from a, uh, that's probably a man who's <clears throat> not, not wise in, in human behavior. Right. Or who probably has his own little that's domestic situation, and so he ain't right. going, you know. Yeah, or he's grown up seeing it. Yeah, or, yeah, or because, you know, he kind of guilty of it. Mm-hmm. So he just going to yeah. be minding his business because I ain't. Right. Goddamn, yeah, so I got to bring you girls back, man. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> I'm going to bring you girls back with some dudes. How about that? Oh, oh nice. Yeah. We like. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be on. No, say less. I'm going to bring some really good brothers up in here, and we're going to have a healthy debate yes. about good. this for our community because the work we're doing right now and in my head is a healing work, and I say it all yes. the time. And if I can just change one person's perspective on how they look at a situation yes, or to give someone help or to forward an episode like, no, nah, I, I think you need to listen to this. And that person's life has changed and transformed. We've had over 20 people sign up for therapy in the last five months through this awesome. podcast that and four-start awesome. medication. Yeah. Yes. And so I'm grateful for this platform. But more so, ladies, I'm grateful for you guys giving me some of your time. I really, really appreciate that. And I know we have to, like, cut this short a bit. But this past Sunday, October 27th, 2019, you ladies celebrated your eighth annual Purple Power Domestic Violence Fundraiser in Brooklyn. What is the purpose of the Purple Power Domestic Violence Fundraiser? So every um, year we have a fundraiser um, to benefit Bloom 365, which is an Arizona-based teen dating prevention program. It teaches kids about teen dating violence, um, sexual assault, and domestic violence. This is a way of creating an intervention and preventing um, domestic violence in the future. So um, in Arizona, they go into schools, high schools, um, junior high schools, and now elementary schools. And we want to bring that program here to New York City. And we have a pilot school on the Samuel J. Tilden um, campus. And um, so we're trying to raise money to get into the school, to get all the, um, everything that we need, all the supplies. And so um, we're having our eighth annual Purple Power Domestic Violence Awareness yes. Fundraiser. I know this event happened before this recording, so you missed out on attending. But there's a link uh, for you to support the Heather Hurley Foundation financially. Um, and that will go a really long way. So make sure you click on the link in the summary of this episode. All right. Wow. 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 We had Nicole and Dion. And um, yeah. Yeah. This was a tough one. Don't forget that if you are in need of assistance, the National Domestic Violence Hotline is 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-7233. But above all, if you are in immediate danger, please call 911.
Studies have shown that black girls, women, and non-binary people are hyper-vulnerable to abuse. About 22% of black women in the United States have experienced rape. 40% will experience intimate partner violence in their lifetime. And black women are killed at a higher rate than any other group of women. A 2015 survey of black trans and non-binary individuals found that 53% have experienced sexual violence and 56% have experienced domestic violence. At least 16 black trans people were reportedly murdered in 2018 alone. This according to ACLU.org. Domestic violence is a sensitive issue for many people as they've learned to tolerate and endure a lot of things are quite abusive or they've chosen to ignore very dangerous signs or suffer themselves to stay in an unhealthy situation for many reasons that they believe are valid enough to sacrifice their mental health and even their physical safety. If he or she loves you, baby, they will never cause you pain. They will never make you feel less than a person. And you will not be doubting if they really, really love you or care for you. Today we shared the personal experiences of Nicole and Dion and the resources that you need to make a move today. Love you so much more today that you make a move today, that you leave today. To support and donate to the Heather Hurley Foundation, please make sure you check the link in the summary of this podcast. And again, if you are in immediate danger, don't play superhero. Please call 911. Has your life been affected by domestic violence? Are you seeking help to escape a violent relationship? Join the conversation by using the official hashtag HeadWithJV. Want to advertise on In My Head with Jay Vlest? Sign up now for the 2019 introductory rates to expose your brand, business, or initiative to a local and global audience. In My Head has a large New York-based audience and is heard in over 54 countries, with its top markets being the United States, Canada, Trinidad and Tobago, Jamaica, and Bermuda. Be one of the very first exclusive advertising partners by signing up today. Email info at J-A-Y-B-L-E-S-S-E-D dot com. That's info at jbless dot com to advertise on In My Head. So what's uh, playing in my head? Well, listen now. I remember when this tune came out, I was in Trinidad. This is the ultimate classic anti-domestic violence hit single ever. Okay, shout out to Steve featuring Faith Evans, Love and Slime. Big up that drop the tune. Yeah, I know. I told you. I told you it would have been a heavy one. So thank you for sticking it out. Thank you for listening to the entire episode. And thank you in advance for sharing this with a friend. Not just women. There are men in domestic violence situations. And you may not be able to have that conversation with him. But please share this episode with them. Thank you so very much. Please make sure to download, share, subscribe. Do whatever you got to do in my head, bitch. What? Episode 24. <laughs> See you all next week. In- 
Do you need assistance in escaping an abusive or violent situation? Call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-7233. Operating around the clock, seven days a week, confidential and free of cost, the National Domestic Violence Hotline provides life-saving tools and immediate support to enable victims to find safety and live lives free of abuse. Callers to the hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE can expect highly trained, experienced advocates to offer compassionate support, crisis intervention, information, educational services, and referral services in more than 200 languages. Don't hesitate. Call the National Domestic Violence Hotline today at 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-7233. Do you reside in New York City and need help? Call Safe Horizon on their 24-hour hotline, 1-800-621-HOPE. Safe Horizon is the nation's leading victim assistance organization. Call Safe Horizon today at 1-800-621-4673. That's 1-800-621-HOPE. If you are in immediate danger, pick up the phone right now and call 911.